Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural. No pesticides. No artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDK. All right, we're about a half hour away from saying hello to Dick Till from Davy Tree. But in the meantime, it's Jessica Wallace flying solo. Doug enjoying the Labor Day holiday weekend. She's fighting a cold, but she is a trooper. She's here. She's ready to go to work. So little assistance, if you will, to help her out. So what you need to do if you have a question, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. We'll take the 10th caller right now at 412-922-1020 to win that gift certificate from Sorgles out in Wexford. Rain, rain, go away. But if you're thinking fall planning... You might want that rain to stay, huh? Absolutely. Good morning. I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace. Am I I'm a little under the weather? So if all of a sudden there's um, dead air, it's because I'm having a coughing attack and I've hit the off button on my mic. So, And I know Rob, will, uh, the professional that he is, step in right away. No, with, there's always a lot of dead air on my with, <laughs> show, so no problem. So anyway, yes, you are so right about fall planting. And for me, back to school always means back to the garden. Uh, and this is the perfect time of year to get back out into that vegetable garden and think about planting. A lot of times people, you know, they focus on planting so much on spring that they forget about fall is such an excellent time to get back out into the vegetable garden. A lot of our local nurseries and sponsors um, carry vegetable starts. Now, obviously you can't go out and plant more tomatoes this time of year. We don't have enough season left um, for that. But cold tolerant crops like lettuce, kale, um, lots of different greens like mustard greens and mizuna and tatsoi, those are very, very tolerant of those early frosts that we start to get here within the next couple of months. Um, and they can continue to produce, you know, edible greens for many, many months and into the winter months as well. You know, I'm usually harvesting a, a fresh salad from the garden on Thanksgiving Day and, and, you know, kale well into December and even January. And that comes from things that are planted right now. So while your green beans might be finishing up and the plants are ready to pull out of the garden, go out and then replace them with a fall crop. Um, it's not only time for planting things in the vegetable garden, but it's all also an excellent time to go out and plant trees and shrubs and perennials. And I know that uh, Dick Tell from Davy Tree is in studio at 730 and he's going to be talking also about, you know, some things that we can be doing with our trees in the fall. And one of those obviously is planting as well. Fall is the perfect time for planting uh, trees and shrubs and perennials because we have nice warm soil and the soil will retain the heat for many, many weeks to come and cooler air temperatures, which make the, it's the perfect recipe for good root growth. And that's what we want when we plant a new plant is we want those roots to get established first. So by the time spring arrives, then we have all this energy and root growth that will therefore then support good shoot growth and good flower growth as well. You know, you've always said, let Mother Nature run its course, let the lawn go dormant, it'll come back in the spring. We were talking 
talking on the True Value show yesterday about planning as far as fall and lawns. People still think the spring is the best time, but why wouldn't fall be okay to plant your lawn? Fall is, the, in my opinion, fall is the best time um, to plant lawns. And I've planted new lawns, seeded new lawns when I worked for a landscaper as late as early November. And the lawns did beautifully. Uh, they may not germinate that late in the season. The seed may just sit tight over the winter and then germinate the following spring. Um, but that worked very well. Now, is that ideal? No, of course it's not ideal. But September, October are fine times to either go out and overseed your existing lawn to kind of fill in bare spots and, you know, spruce up the lawn a little bit or go out and just seed a new lawn or fill in patches as well. You know, if you've got bare patches from the dog or from, you know, you had moles in there and then you ended up with a little bit of bare spot in the lawn, you can go ahead and, and overseed as well. But, and I know you guys talked about this probably on the True Values show, you know, the importance of getting quality grass seed. I mean, it is Jonathan Green. Green, And that's the thing. You can go out and you can buy what's cheapest, you know, at the hardware store or you can buy, you know, the brand that has the biggest advertising budget. But the the fact is that that's not necessarily the best grass seed. You want a variety of grass seeds. It's a mixture that's tailored to our environment um, that has a naturally uh, resistance to pests and diseases and that's one of the things that I really do love about the Jonathan Green product. I mean, I, I, and this is not, this is not my advertising pitch for them. This is truly in my experience, that black beauty grass seed. I mean, the, the difference in the, the greenness of that grass as it's growing compared to whatever the person who lived in our house before us put down the lawn, you know, whatever grass seed, make sure that was, it's, it's visible. Like you can see the difference. Uh, in, in the rich, dark green of that that seed. So I would highly recommend it as well. Organically, what can you do now to jumpstart your lawn in the spring, or do you just have to kind of wait till the spring to do it? Well, you know, now is a great time to add organic matter. I mean, that's pretty much always a good time to add organic matter to your lawn and to your gardens. But for me, um, one of the best things, and, and lots of research shows this as well, one of the best things that you can do for your lawn is introduce organic matter um, to the soil there. And that really is quite easy to do. If you can get some finished compost, whether you you know have a truck deliver it or you have a truck and you can get some from the landscape supply company or you go to the garden center and buy it in bags and just kind of fling like a quarter of an inch over your lawn and spread it out over there. Just And literally, that's what I do. I have a wheelbarrow and I just take a shovel and I just fling it out over the lawn uh, so that it's a, about a quarter of an inch or so. And what that does is it sort of does jumpstart the lawn. It introduces really good microbes into that soil. It adds some organic matter in there and it helps you build that really rich soil that so many lawns are lacking because, you know, in suburbia, the, all the good soil was stripped off so that you could build the house. So you're getting those nutrients back into the soil so that you can grow a healthy lawn. Anytime I hear people like Janoski's talking canning tomatoes, peaches, I know it's about time to shut it down. When you're shutting your garden down, rototilling it, doing anything to it, leaving it go, composting what's there, uh, what's the best way to say goodbye to your garden? Well, if you're talking about a vegetable garden, obviously, you know, when we start to get really hard frost, and if, if you're talking about a, a frost-sensitive vegetable like a tomato or basil or pepper that you know is not going to continue to produce, you know, like the kale, the cold tolerant crops would, you you need to, um, you know, take a serious look at those plants and see if they had any diseases or pests. Because if they did, then they should get pulled out of the vegetable garden because those pests and diseases can overwinter um, in the garden. And so it's important that you get those out of there. I don't ever rototill in the fall. Um, I don't rototill in the spring either. I always just add new organic matter to the top, sort of like building layers in a lasagna. Just keep putting more layers of organic matter in 
there every year and then plant down right through it. But in the printing garden, I don't do anything. I don't cut anything down. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. All right. Well. You see this little logo. I printed out some stuff earlier today in the printer. It must knew you were coming. 15 pages all saying triblive.com. Uh-huh. Triblive.com. So that means it's my cue to ask you what you're doing at triblive.com. Well, one of the things that, that I have a recent column on is actually planting a fall crop of lettuce in containers. So that's a pretty fun thing, pretty good project that you can do even if you don't have an in-ground vegetable garden, but you still want to you know, grow a little bit of cool season crops, radishes and lettuces and kale. So sow the seeds in a container. You don't have to do it in the garden, and you just have them on the patio. All right, listen, what we're going to do, we go into a break. We're going to check some sports news. Busy day, college football yesterday, pirates in action today, a lot of things happening. But I'm also going to have Jessica. She's a little under the weather, but I'm going to have her with the, the AT&T phone do a little video with Dick Till and I because of Harvey and what's happening down there. All of these first responders. These firemen unable even to get into Houston because of the rising waters. But some of the most essential people down there are what they do as far as, you know, taking care of trees, power lines, and obviously trees falling on buildings, automobiles in the street. Just to give you an idea what uh, how important these people are as far as what they do at companies like Davy Tree. So we'll throw that up on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter. But then he's going to be here right after the 7.30 news to spend some time with Jessica talking about all sorts of stuff. So please stay with us. Number to dial to be on the program is 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. Congratulations to Larry, the winner from Ross Township of that $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Wallace, who is here, it's time to go to the phones. Coming up, Dick Till, Davy Trees, talking trees in about 15 minutes. Let's say hi to Kim from McCandless. Good morning, Kim. Welcome to KDK. Hi. I have a question about my tomato garden. Mm-hmm. I have a raised bed, and... Um, I I had my leaves on the bottom of my tomato plant started turning yellow with spots, mm-hmm. and then it kind of went up the plant to the top leaves. Mm-hmm. The tomatoes look fine, but I, I cut back the diseased um, leaves, and now there's really no leaves left. Is is that early blight? That it sounds like early blight. There are a few other fungal pathogens that affect tomatoes, like uh, septoria leaf spot and and some other issues that it could be. But that sounds pretty typical of early blight in that it starts in the lower part of the plant and and proceeds up the plant. Uh, largely leaves the fruits unaffected. Sometimes you'll see some lesions on those as well. But, you know, this is a soil-borne pathogen, meaning it lives in the soil from year to year. So if you had it this year, it's now going to be in your soil forever. So your job will be to now uh, take some steps to prevent it from occurring on next year's plants, or at least delay the arrival on next year's plants. And usually what I recommend to people is the day that you plant your tomato plants, even before you water them in, Put a nice thick layer of mulch on the soil in those beds. And oftentimes I'll even tell people if it's really bad, put down a couple sheets of newspaper first and then put down uh, straw or uh, an inch or so of shredded leaves or maybe some finished compost on top of that newspaper. And what that does, it puts a barrier between the fungal spores in the soil and the plant. So then when you water, those spores don't splash up on the base of the plant and then cause that reinfection. So that's the number one best thing that you can do to, to really keep that early blight off of the p- plants. But in years like this, where we have had so much rain, this has been the perfect storm for fungal diseases. Even the best cared for garden, you know, and I do this in my garden every year, and I and I still ended up with early blight on my plants this year just because it was such a terrible year for it. 
Yeah, I did the same thing, um, Jessica, and I ended up with it too. But once it's in the soil, like if, even if I don't plant tomatoes in the same spot next year. You definitely want to rotate, yeah. Okay, I want to rotate. In two years, it's still in the soil. It's still in the soil, yeah. And there's really nothing that you can do or should do to get rid of it in the soil. I mean, you know, old-time people will tell you all kinds of crazy concoctions to put in the soil. There's no science behind any of them. They don't work. And what they do oftentimes is they often kill the beneficial organisms in the soil that help manage things like other fungal diseases uh, and early blight. Because there's lots of most of the organisms that live in the soil are good and they help us control these these um, the bad fungus organisms and and bacterial organisms. So, yeah, there's nothing you can do to your soil. Your your job is to rotate your crops and protect your plants as best as you can. Um, You can at the first signs of early blight or if we have, you know, really heavy rainy season again where you're thinking, oh, gosh, it's going to happen again, you can protect your plants by using an organic fungicide. We like one called Serenade. Uh, That's just the brand name for a a bacterial-based fungicide. So it's using a bacteria to combat a fungus. And it's really effective, but you have to do it early in the season and you have to do it as a preventative. Um, So is it a a myth of putting um, a tarp over and letting the sun bake out the... Yeah, so well, that's a process called solarization, and it really only um, takes care of any pathogens within the top inch, inch and a half of soil. And again, there you go. You're killing the good organisms as well. So it, while it does work for some types of pathogens and certainly for some types of weed seeds, it's not going to do much for that early blight uh, organism that lives in the soil. So I really wouldn't even say you have to go through the effort of that either. Okay, thank okay. you very much, Jessica. Thank you. All Bye-bye. Right. Next stop, Carnegie for Jessica Walliser. Doug is off today. This is the Organic Gardeners on KDK. Let's say hi to Patty. Hey, Patty, good morning. Thanks for holding on. Hi. Um, I have a question. My, we have a, a hill in the front of our house, and it's, right now it's all grass, but my husband and I are having a hard time. We're getting too old to cut the grass, and we wanted to put something down that would, like, take off and cover the whole hill. We wondered if you had any suggestions. Uh, does it get full sun or is it shady? Yes. It's full it sun? Full sun. Full sun. Okay. Yes. And are you looking for something that uh, is going to be green and there all winter? Or do you just want something that's fast growing and you don't necessarily need it to look gorgeous all winter? It doesn't have to look gorgeous all winter, but um, we just don't want to have to cut the grass there anymore. Okay. So like- what... What I usually recommend in a situation like that is actually a blend of different ground covers. I I never suggest doing just one type of ground cover. So don't do something like go out and plant a bed of Pachysandra. Because if the Pachysandra ends up with a a terrible fungal disease or some other pest issue uh, like scale or something like that, it's going to wipe out the whole bed and you're back to ground zero. Whereas if you have a mixture of ground covers in a bed or bank like that, if something happens to one variety... The other ones will pick up the slack. So I would do a blend of ground covers like Ajuga. Uh, there's one called Lamium that's really great and fast growing. You could do a Sweet Woodruff, which is fast growing. Uh, that also does very well in the shade if you have a shady ground, uh, shady area. Uh, Vinca would be one you could add in there. So there, uh, there's some types of creeping euonymus that would work. So I would do a mixture and and just kind of. Uh, would you, but what you really are going to have to do is make sure that that bed stays very well weeded. For the first few years after planting that ground cover, because if you let any weeds get in there, you're going to have a constant, constant battle trying to keep those weeds out of that ground cover. So be diligent about that until the ground cover really fills in. 
Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, you know, uh, we got about a minute before the break, uh, and we just did that video talking about Hurricane Harvey, the aftermath, and what great companies like Davy Tree do. You think people understand Mother Nature? Do you have to have people that understand it to repair it? Because it can just be so devastating so quickly. And, you know, you think of firemen and firewomen. You think of police, first responders, EMS, all that. But I don't think people realize the significance of what a company like Davey does in professional tree services, other than just pruning or planting a tree, there's a whole lot more to what they do. Absolutely. And I mean, when you talk about a disaster like that, I mean, you're going to have just tons and tons of mud uh, to, to relocate, right, off of the streets, out of people's houses. What do you do with all of that that soil that's been washed away? You're now going to have erosion areas where you, that you're going to have to deal with, um, you know, where, where you're going to have to be filling in with soil in those areas because so much of that soil has washed down and it's no longer a stable area. So I'm sure that there will be landscape crews there for years cleaning up the mess uh, that's a result of the aftermath of that, replanting things, stabilizing, you know, uh, banks and uh, and slopes and things with different ground covers and grasses and things because, you know, th- if that doesn't get done and it doesn't get fixed, then the next time a hurricane comes around, you know, you're... you're you're facing even larger issues. 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank, Instant Access, kdk.com. If you have any tree questions, get ready. Dick Till, Talking Trees, Davy Trees in a minute. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020, KDKA. All right, what do you say we give away a $25 gift certificate from the great folks out there on that farm, Route 30 in Clinton? It is Janoski's Farms. If you're the 10th caller, at 412-922-1020. And now it's time for Talking Trees, a service of the Davy Tree Expert Company. And we are here with arborist Dick Till from Davy Tree Company. Dick, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We have a, a lot to talk about. If anybody had a chance to watch the Facebook Live video that uh, Rob posted on his Facebook page, uh, you were talking with him about uh, the kinds of things going on right now in the hurricane zone in Houston and how Davey can mobilize crews and you guys can go and help with disaster relief all over the country. Right. Yeah, we do that all the time. Thanks. Good seeing you again. But uh, like I said, we have offices all over the country and whenever a disaster hits, whether it's an ice storm in New York or a hurricane in the Carolinas. Um, we can mobilize crews and take care of storm damage. And around here, I know you're not taking care of storm damage, but you still have your work cut out for you around here in Pennsylvania because there is lots to do this time of year uh, with our trees. And that's our topic of today is sort of the fall checklist of things that we should be thinking about right now. And I know I'm hearing from lots of people, lots of emails about, oh, you know, my maple, the leaves are all falling off and it's, I feel like it's too early. So I would like you to kind of um, quell people's fear a little bit about if their trees are starting to drop leaves right now. What is going on? Okay, well, there's a lot of different late season leaf diseases uh, that will weaken the leaves and make them fall off. Uh, a lot of times the leaves will hang on, and even though they're spotted or if insects have eaten holes in the leaves, there's still enough green, enough chlorophyll in the leaves that the leaves are still making food for the roots. So it's more of an aesthetic problem than a physical problem for the tree. But uh, by this time of year, most of the trees and shrubs Uh, The leaves have already done their job making food for the roots. They already have their leaf and flower buds made for next year. So even if all the leaves would fall off today, the trees would still make it. So 
from now until all the leaves fall off, it's just a little bit of extra money in the bank the longer they can hang on to their leaves. Okay, so it's not anything anybody should worry about. Does it When you see that happen, I mean, should they maybe call you guys and get a late-season fertilization plan set up, or are they better off to wait to the spring to do that at this point? Uh, the fertilization, as long as you use a slow-release fertilizer, you can do it any time of the year. Okay. Um, you know, there's fertilizers that we use that they last all year, and it takes microorganisms in the soil to break down the fertilizer so it's released to the roots. So you can do it any time of the year as long as the ground's not frozen. Okay. So and, can... and that does benefit, you know, the plants because uh, the roots are growing all winter. As long as the ground isn't frozen, um, you know, the roots are still active. So mm-hmm. they'll be taking in the nutrients and storing them in there and just waiting for springtime when everything opens up. Okay, and I know one of the things on my fall checklist for my trees, especially the new little trees that we planted out front, is deer protection. Because over the, the next month or two, the rut's going to start happening, right. and we're going to have some young men deer out there that are going to want to rub their antlers on the on the young, young trees, and you need to protect the trees from both feeding damage and from the buck rubs. So talk a little bit about the importance of that and how people can do that. Okay, well, one of the easiest things is... You know, physical, mechanical um, protection. Uh, there's deer netting you can put over them. And uh, the deer just like a nice wide open stem that they can rub their antlers on. So if you put deer netting on it and that'll get tangled in their antlers, they don't like that feeling. Um, a lot of times if you just get like a four-inch plastic pipe and cut it down the middle and put it around the trunk, that'll protect the tree also. And uh, as far as the feeding damage... You know, there's a lot of products out there like the deer off and deer away and all that. And uh, you have to kind of keep up with spraying them. Uh, as long as it doesn't rain too often, uh, you can just put it on, you know, once a month or every three weeks. But usually we have rain in the fall, so you got to keep up with the the deer protection sprays. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to go the route of, you know, putting that physical barrier around those young trees. And I think we're probably going to do like a, like a wire fencing mm-hmm. around the trunk of the tree, just sort of put that barrier yeah. there for them. Uh, because I know that once the, they have rubbed the tree, if they rub all the bark off, that's pretty much a death sentence for the tree, right? Right. Yeah. If it's girdled completely around the tree, then, then it's done. Uh, a lot of young trees that are grown real vigorous will, um, you know, callus over a couple scratches but if you're missing more than half the cambium you know, the tree's probably not going to make it okay and i know we were talking earlier about all the unfortunate rain that they have had in houston up here we've actually surprisingly had a couple of very dry weeks here now obviously we got a little bit of rain yesterday and this morning as well but um with the watering especially newly planted trees i mean that you're not done that job is not done for the season people are going to have to continue all winter long right right yeah especially you know, like we said, fall planting is a good time. <clears throat> There's not a big demand on the foliage this time of year, but the roots are active. So if you plant a new tree or shrub this time of year, it gives the plant time to get acclimated um, all through the winter time before it does push out the new leaves next spring. And it is good to keep them watered, especially the evergreens, because they transpire water through the foliage all the time. And if it's real dry in the winter time. Or if the ground's frozen and uh, the wind's blowing and it's real cold, it'll desiccate the foliage and, you know, actually dry out and kill the foliage. But it's good, you know, around here, usually we get some snow and then it'll melt and snow and mm-hmm. melt. Mm-hmm. So it's a slow watering that's good. But if we do go through a dry spell, it's good to give, especially the newly plant, planted plants, a good drink of water. 
And also keep mulched in because that mulch helps to, you know, regulate the temperature extremes and keep some moisture in, keeps the weeds away. And it's just always good to use that organic. I'm glad mulch. you brought that up because I was going to ask, that was going to be my next question with, with mulching. You know, do you apply more mulch in the fall or it, you just do the mulch in the spring and then just make sure that it, it stays good for the whole season, right? You don't yeah. necessarily need to add more in the fall. Well, just keep track of how much is there because it okay. does decompose we'll down, and degrade. Yeah. And, yeah. But, yeah, if you've got a good two inches of soil over the root zone, then it's important to keep it, you know, over the root zone and especially on the ends of the roots where the root hairs, the absorbing roots are. That's the most important part. You know, people always concentrate on putting too much mulch around the trunk or even mm -hmm. piling up on the trunk, which is not good. Right. You know, you don't want any mulch up against the trunk, just a little bit for color. But, yeah, you want to have the the deepest mulch out over the finest roots that are... Which would be sort of what we call the drip line of the tree. Right. So the outermost edges of the leaves are also the outermost edges of the roots, where those right. sort of feeder roots are right. around there. And people forget, you're right, they do this little tiny ring around this big giant tree, and you're really not serving right. much purpose by having a little tiny ring of mulch around a big giant right. tree. Yeah, you and really need to extend that. It does get impractical, you know, if you have a, a 20 or 30 inch tree... Well, you know, that would be pretty much your whole yard. You're right. Mulch, so. Right. So eventually, <laughs> right. right. But by then, the tree has such an established root system that it can access probably water on its own without really needing right. to have that extra layer of mulch there. Yeah. So that's, that's a good thought. Yeah, yeah. That's it. When there's a mature root system, you don't have to worry about watering quite as much unless we do go through an extended drought. Gotcha. Well, listen, thank you so much, Dick, for joining us. Uh, if you have questions about trees, call in the program. Dick's going to stick around uh, for the second, uh, the last segment here as well. So for more information about Davy Tree and to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. <laughs> Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. With us right now is Denise Schreiber. She is our Mrs. Know-It-All and Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. Denise, how are you this morning? Uh, good, although I really don't like it being dark again this early in the morning. I'm, uh -huh. not, I'm not ready for this yet. I agree. I was driving to the studio this morning, and I was like, oh, no, fall is definitely here. It's dark out. Ugh. Yeah, and even at night, it's like, you know, before I had till at least 9 that I could go outside and work in the garden. Now, you know, by 8 o'clock, it's dark, and I'm not going to go tripping out in the yard somewhere and have them find me in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I heard you talking about the early blight. But for me, I've also got late blight this year on my tomatoes. No I haven't had it in several years. And so when it dries out a little bit today, I get to go rip out my tomatoes, unfortunately, and I will just bag them. But other things are going gangbusters. My gourds, my watermelons, I grew a watermelon this year called Mama's Girl. And it's only like five to seven pounds, which sounds kind of large, but actually it's really not much bigger than a five-pound bag of sugar. Hmm. If you think about it, um, it's from Burpee Seed. And they gave us samples, that little advent calendar, and it is going crazy. I've harvested seven watermelons so far, and these have seeds in them. They are not the seedless watermelon. And I really think that the watermelons that have seeds in them taste better mm -hmm. than the seedless ones 
and this it's gone crazy. I'm just loving it, you know, and it's just enough for the two of us for maybe two days. So you yeah. don't have this big chunk of watermelon sitting in your refrigerator. It's just enough to go in. You cut it, you know, cut out slices, put it in a bowl, and you're good to go. And that's wonderful because it must be a pretty short season watermelon because a lot of times, you know, Pennsylvanians, we plant yeah. our watermelons and we don't always see them ripen uh, before season's end. So that must be a short season one. So that's a- I think because it's such a small watermelon rather than the large ones that we're used to seeing in farmer's markets is why we're able to harvest so many more. And I still have probably four or five more to go. Now, what's the cultivar name of it again? Mama's Girl. Mama's Girl Watermelon. It was from Burpee Seeds. Well, I would suggest that everyone check that out because if it did well in Denise's Pittsburgh Garden, it will probably do well in your Pittsburgh Garden as well. So thank you, as always, uh, Mrs. Know-It-All, for joining us on the program this week. All right. Hey, by the way, congratulations to Marianne from Etna, winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's in Clinton. Here's Judy in Springdale. Hey, Judy, good morning. Good morning, Rob and Jeff. How are you this morning? Very well. What's on your mind? I planted horseradish this year. Okay. And what do I do with it now? I know it's a two-year Yep. Crop. Yeah. Do so I cut the foliage off? No, you just you just let it stand. Just let it stand. What's going to happen is that foliage is going to yellow when we start to get a couple of frosts, and it's going to die back, and that's just fine. Just leave it alone. And this spring, you can go ahead and cut down those stalks, cut out those leaves when you start to see new growth emerging from the base. I would really wait until the following season to do any harvesting, uh, because okay. obviously with horseradish, you're, you're harvesting the roots. Uh, so you want to remove a portion of the root and leave a portion behind so that you have that, you know, it's a self-sustaining crop, right? You never take all of it oh, at once. Yes. Um, so you okay. always leave some behind. So I would really wait about two seasons to make your first harvest. And when you're ready to process that horseradish, you better get a blender and put it outside because uh, and wear eye protection when you do it because you're, that is a, a really strong, volatile uh, <laughs> plant that can, you know, you, it will make your eyes water way more than an onion does when you process your homegrown horseradish but it's really wonderful stuff. I know. I don't like store-bought anymore. It just doesn't have that kick to it. Yeah. Yep. Homegrown definitely has a kick. And especially if we have a dry year, I always find with mine that if we have a dry growing season and I do my harvesting, that that oil is so intense and that flavor is so intense that it is even more so. So those are, for me, the best years for horseradish are the drier years in the garden. Okay, thank you right. so much. Thank you. All right, uh, from Judy to uh, Johnette, how are you? Welcome to KDK in the Organic Garden. Say hello to Jessica Walliser. Good morning. Good morning. Um, hi, Jessica. Good morning. Um, I have a question about um, a couple lilac bushes that I cut back in the spring, and now they have um, a white frost on the leaves. Yeah, uh, it's called powdery mildew. And uh, uh, the powdery mildew likes moisture and humidity and like we talked about earlier we had a pretty wet year here in pittsburgh and when it wasn't raining then it got hot and humid and those are all ideal conditions um it it doesn't kill the plant Um, that's what i was worried about and uh, it'll weaken it a little bit just because it actually shades the chlorophyll in the leaves so the leaves aren't producing uh, the food for the roots that it should is there uh, anything i can do to make it you know stronger for it's mostly an aesthetic issue, and especially this late in the season, I really wouldn't worry about it. My lilacs get it every single year, whether we have a wet year or not. I must have varieties that are really prone. They were there before I moved in, so they're just 
some varieties are more prone to it than others. Um, okay. It's largely an aesthetic issue. Yeah, you know, Dick is absolutely right. It can affect the food production of the plant. Um, you know, if you caught it early in the spring, she could probably use an organic fungicide right. to keep or it in check. Some oil, some horticultural, light horticultural oil will work also. <laughs> but uh, like we were saying, it's it's not gonna not gonna kill the plant. It'll just weaken okay. it a little bit. But most lilacs are strong. They got big root systems, and they'll okay, come so back. Okay, then I don't have to worry about it. Then. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> Okay, I hope you feel better. Thank you, me too, sorry. <laughs> to turn off the mic and run in the corner and cough there for a second. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back, wrap up the hour with Jessica and, of course, her guest, uh, Dick Till from Davy Tree in just a couple of moments. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. Well, listen, so one of the things we didn't touch on when we were talking with uh, Dick Till from the Davy Tree Company, uh, for this time of year, a task in the garden, pruning. What about that? Should people be doing that? Yeah, fall is a great time to prune. Uh, The insects and diseases aren't out there. When you make your fresh cuts, you know, a lot of insects and diseases are attracted to the sapwood and the fresh cuts. And uh, also, uh, the tree has all that stored energy for springtime. Well, when that spring flush comes on, any pruning cuts you make, in the fall or winter time, uh, as it starts to grow, it'll start to callus over real quickly in the springtime. So, do they have to, people have to wait till the leaves fall off the trees to do their pruning, or sh- can they start now? Um, most trees and shrubs you can do anytime, you know, except for oaks. Yeah, right? yeah, oaks and elms you have to wait until they're dormant. Which okay. Around here, we like to wait until you know at least late October, November, and then you can prune them up through March until early April. And then the flowering shrubs, you got to be careful. If you got spring flowering shrub, you don't want to be pruning them now. Just the late season flowering shrubs. Right. And uh, I know you guys used to be for many, many years, people would make prune and then they would paint it with something. And that's no longer recommended, correct? No, yeah, that's old school. There. Yeah. I don't want to be old school. Yeah, we even used to make our own tree paint. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. You just want to let that plant naturally callous over on its own. Right. Make a good collar cut there so it makes a nice donut when it's callousing over and yeah, you don't want to paint it because that'll seal in the moisture and actually encourage, you know, some rot. That's good advice. Very, very good advice. And evergreens as well, so people could go out and prune their hollies, holly bushes and things like that this time of year as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like to wait until around Christmas time <laughs> if you want to get some greens in your house. You know, that's a good time right before Christmas. Prune your hollies. so you have That's when I always do my boxwoods too, so I can garland. take all those inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Great. Well, thank you. Excellent, excellent advice, as always. Dick, thank you very much for joining us. So what are we going to do in the next couple of weeks? What's on your mind for the next, <laughs> next couple of weeks, Jessica? What are we going to do? Excuse me. I'm having a coughing attack. I know. You have to talk no, amongst no, yourselves for just a moment. I can talk amongst myself. I talk to myself all the time, as a matter of fact. <laughs> hey, listen, I do want to remind everyone that uh, coming up next hour, your favorite tailgate recipes. And the timing is perfect because a lot of folks using the grill for the final time, although you don't really need to, but it's kind of the official uh, swan song for the summer of 2017. So Joe and Frank are going to be here talking about all of your favorite grilling recipes, tailgate recipes, because football season is upon us. And one week from today, the Steelers play for keeps at Cleveland. So that's coming up next on the Coons Cooking Hour. But as they say, it's time to exit stage left and end another edition of The Organic Gardeners on KDK. And as you exit stage left, just remember that the Organic Gardeners always aim to teach you how to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. Baseball is back. 
and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.